Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast presented by league apps and we have another fantastic show the nwsl challenge cup is heading down the stretch run only one more game remaining the 12 teams are divided into three different divisions the first place team in every division advances to the semifinals along with the second place team. Leading their respective division with one game remaining is the Kansas City Current under their new head coach Matt Potter and their new general manager Cami Levin. Back in January, Anna Witte sat down with Coach Potter and Miss Levin for a great interview talking about the future of the Kansas City Current, which certainly looks bright. They kick off the show. After them, I go down memory lane with Renato Capobianco, who has been the head coach at Regis College Division III men outside of Boston since 2011. He was the team administrator for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team and really was the glue holding it together with Bora Militinovich, Bill Nuttall, and the entire crew. I was also a part of that staff, and Renato did great things. He would go on to work in Major League Soccer, but has found a home coaching college. In fact, such a great home that he made an impact on one of our 30 Under 30 members, Warren Backman, who's on the show and actually brought up Renato's name, which triggered me to reach out to Renato and have him join and tell amazing stories about his time during that 94 World Cup and what he has done since. So Warren Backman will follow him up. And then, of course, last week, Nancy Feldman was on after retiring following an incredible 27-year career at Boston University. One of her assistant coaches, yep, is also a member of our 30 Under 30 program, Tori Christ, still at Boston U, hoping to catch on with the new head coach when they name the new head coach of the Terriers. That's our show. It's a good one from start to finish, and we hope you enjoy it after hearing from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. And as I mentioned in the open, what a great time to get one of our evergreen interviews during the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. And what a great job the Kansas City Current is doing right now. They lead their respective division with one more important match against Chicago, which could allow Kansas City to advance to the semifinals of the NWSL Challenge Cup. Anna Witte sat down with their new coach and new general manager last January in Kansas City, and we kick off this week's show with her visit 
with those two leaders of the Kansas City Current. Welcome back into the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I'm Anna Witte on Podcast Row in Kansas City, the home of the new head coach and GM of the KC Current. I have Matt Potter here, who is the new head coach, and Cami Levin, who is the general manager. Thank you so much for being here. Let's talk about the fact that you guys just got to Kansas City. What are your initial impressions of your new home? Well, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to be here. But, yeah, Kansas City is such a, a great sports town has soccer traditions too that, that go way way back obviously and so I couldn't be happier uh, looking forward to meeting people exploring the city itself and and really just can't wait to get going. Kimmy we'll start with you you had your playing career in college at Stanford you spent time in professional leagues here in the states abroad as well before you took this job you were with the WWE what were you doing in that position? Yeah, so um, my time with the WWE, I worked in talent development, and essentially I was responsible for recruiting athletes from a variety of different backgrounds um, to learn how to wrestle and become WWE superstars. So everything with that, the recruiting, um, hiring and negotiating contracts to overall management of the athletes once they were in the development system. Why did you want to take this general management role in Kansas City with the NWSL? Honestly, for me, I when I stepped away from playing the game, I always hoped to have an opportunity to get back in the game in some capacity. Um, I never knew exactly what that was going to look like, but I always hoped that it would be the case. Um, I took a position with the WWE that I felt was you know, the best opportunity for me to learn and grow and um, get experience managing athletes, um, understanding sort of the business side. And I, you know, had conversations with Angie and Chris and learned about this opportunity at Kansas City Current. And honestly, everything that that they're doing here um, with this organization is it would have been a dream as a player to be part of something like this and now on this side to be able to come in and help shape um, what this organization is doing and be part of setting a new standard in women's soccer. It's a dream, honestly, to be doing this. What you did with the WWE is similar in the fact that you're managing talent, a different sport, obviously. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for an NWSL team to have a general manager? This role... Matt in a coaching role and then myself in a general manager role, we're going to work very closely on many things, but it's important for, you know, him to have, to focus on, on everything that relates to the field and developing players and winning games. And for me, I hope to support him in whatever I can to give him the resources and make sure that he has what he needs to be successful. And similarly, you know, to have that relationship with players and make sure that, you know, that they're being taken care of, that they have what they need, that they're being treated like professionals. Um, I think that our jobs are going to overlap on so many things, but also it allows us to focus on specific things that the other then doesn't, you know, have to. You've touched on it a little bit of how you're going to help these players in this league, but you've played in the league before. How do you feel like your playing days is going to help you in this new role? Yeah, I think ultimately um, I understand the history of the league. I understand, I, I see and understand the growth that's happened and I believe in the future of this league. And I think that just having that understanding of players' needs at the end of the day and what a player really needs to perform at the highest level. I think being able, having that experience 
um, having an understanding of what, you know, understanding the athlete's perspective on everything and every decision that we make is just an important piece of this. You mentioned that you know what players need to perform at the highest level. What are those needs? I mean, I think without getting into too many specifics, it's being treated like a professional. The same way, like Matt should be focused on what's going on in the field, I want the players to be able to focus on what they're doing every day in training and that their energy is put and focused on the right things. Um, so whatever that means, that's going to differ and that's going to evolve. But I think just making sure that they're taken care of. Coach Potter, this is your first professional coaching job. You had a stint with Washington State where you coached for 11 seasons, Oklahoma eight seasons. You've worked with U.S. women's national team youth teams. How do you feel like your experience at the collegiate level and with the youth national teams is going to help you as a coach for the Casey Current? Well, first and foremost, I think, touching on what Kemi said earlier, the whole idea within this club is collaboration and to do things that haven't been done. In terms of my own career, obviously the players that have been in NWSL have come from those college ranks, have played for those youth national teams. On top of that, work, you know, being around the women's national team for the last two years in the roles that I've played, I think that sets me up to write a new chapter with these pros. And again, exactly what Kemi talked about, treating them like professionals, allowing them to focus on the game, allowing a training environment that allows them to excel. And so those are the things that I'm looking forward to. You both have mentioned collaboration being really important for what you're doing with KC Current. Why do you believe in collaboration being important? Well, I think one thing that's very clear is the ambition is really clear from, from ownership. And, and when you have that type of ambition, it's not going to take one person to get it right. It's going to take an army. And we're really, really fortunate that they're trying to create an environment for the players it's all about being player centered that allows them to focus on playing and to do that they surrounded them with these people that are experts in their chosen fields mm -hmm. yeah, and i think the third piece to to you know what we're trying to do on the soccer side is hugh williams he's an important piece of this um obviously has a lot of history in the kansas city area a lot of expertise in terms of the league and he kind of completes us in terms of the director of soccer operations, Kami obviously on the, the general manager side and mine on the coaching side. So together, that's where the collaboration really kind of comes into play. And that's no different for the different departments either behind the scenes. There's a, there's a team that's being created behind the team that's second to none. And so players ultimately get the idea that everything that they need is, is going to be provided in Kansas City. All they have to worry about, hopefully, is is playing and enjoying playing the game that they've all committed to being part of. That's exciting news, and that's only going to help not just KC soccer grow, but all of the other 11 teams in this league continue to grow and there be a standard to be built on. Coach Potter, you touched on the fact that you've coached against Cammie Levin when she was at Stanford. You coached against Lola Bonta, Sam Mewis. How has your experience at the collegiate level coaching against the players that are now on your roster going to help you understand them as you coach them as your player <laughs> well it'll be nice to have them on my team <laughs> that's the first and foremost so yeah um yeah obviously storied careers um and, and as does the whole roster you know you can go across the whole roster and talk about distinguished careers it's some of the most prominent universities in the country you know penn state's in the acc i mean you name it there's so many talented players within the roster top to bottom the newest being you know 
Alex Loera Loera from uh, Santa Clara, Chardonnay Karen from the the Pac-12. So mm -hmm. those players, that relational piece, and having seen them play and having seen them grow up, I'm really looking forward to working with them. You had Sam Ewis and Lynn Williams coming in from the North Carolina Courage. They have an awesome podcast, Snacks. Like I was saying earlier, I hope they get some of that KC barbecue on their podcast and talk about it. But how has big names like that going to help your program continue to grow and continue to build? Well, first and foremost, I would highlight as great a player as, as they are, they're even better people. Mm -hmm. and, and that type of personality is the type of people that we're trying to bring into the organization. Their talent is second to none. I, I think everybody knows that. And by coming in, they set standards. They, they bring winning traditions from their own environments that they've been in. And that's the same for other players. So collectively, collectively, I think that's the big word for us is that together we hope to do things that haven't been done. Coach, you also have been a part of the United Soccer Coaches Association. You have some certificates in it. How have you seen this conference this united soccer coaches association impact you as a coach well personally it's impacted me significantly you know the opportunity to a attend events like this to learn from others mm -hmm. it, it that's what we all have to be we're all learners really and when you put a community like this together special things can happen not just for for an individual like myself but collectively we can change the game and grow the game in this country and mm -hmm. My licenses that I have from this, I look back on fondly. I mean, I was, you know, Janet Rayfield was one of the people that uh, was there. Doug Williamson. I mean, you talk about these names. They're, they're, they have a status that they've earned, and they sometimes don't know the significance that they've had on people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an opportunity to thank them and remind them of that. But there's so much growth to be had here, and. and how can you not be excited about that? Right. And I mean, we're still in a pandemic and there are so many people in this convention right now learning from one another, connecting, networking, so many cool opportunities for coaches to get to know one another. So it's cool to hear that it's impacted you in an awesome way. To go back to Kansas City and some of the cool things that are happening here is the new stadium, the new training facility, what you're investing in women's soccer. How do you feel like those new facilities are going to make the women's game grow. Yeah, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but investment in, from the ownership is, is a huge piece of this. Um, that's where this all starts. That's how this is all possible. Um, and by building those world-class facilities, we hope to attract the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. um, we hope to, you know, we want every little girl playing, every professional player, collegiate player at all levels, we want them to want to be here. Um, and that's, you know, a piece of that are the facilities and the world-class facilities along with everything else that we're building at KC. Last season, you guys played on a baseball field and the amount of fans that you had at every game was incredible. And, and a team that w was at the bottom of the league last season, now that you guys are going to be in Children's Mercy Park and you're building this new stadium, how much is it going to continue to grow and build on um, when it comes to the fans coming in the stadiums? Well, I think all, first and foremost, the players deserve to be on the best stages. Right. And, and the sporting uh, KC Stadium definitely accomplishes that. Right. Fans also deserve the best facilities to enjoy their fan experience. And mm -hmm. you're right, the fan base that they created last year was incredible. I think everybody is so excited to help that grow and help the Kansas City current brand grow in that sense. So fan experience is very important to us. Fan engagement is very important to us. 
So we're hopefully going to provide them with something that helps them to stand up and shout and Great. cheer and really excited again. As I think we've echoed it so many times. So excited to get going. Yeah, new name. You got a new stadium coming up. New coaches, new GM. So much newness that uh, is so great for this league. I'm excited to watch what you do this season. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to meet you. Thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, for bringing us the coach and general manager for the Kansas City Current of the NWSL. As I mentioned before the start of this interview, Kansas City will play Chicago on April 24th with a chance to win their respective division. The top three teams in each division and the best second place team will get in. The matchup between Chicago and Kansas City could determine who advances and who does not unless one of those two teams can also advance as the second place team. We are off and rolling. When we return, I go down memory lane with Renato Capobianco, who has been the coach at Regis College Division Three, just outside of Boston since 2011. He was the team administrator for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team, worked in Major League Soccer for years, but has found a home at Regis where he also works as the school's strength and conditioning coach as well. Renato Capobianco. Great stories about Bora and Bill Nuttall and Sunil Galati and just an incredible time for soccer in this country. Renato Capobianco on the United Soccer Coaches podcast after this message. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. I'm so pleased to welcome in our next guest, a chance for me to go down memory lane. And the idea of inviting Renato Capobianco was triggered by the guest following him, Warren Backman, who's a member of the 30 under 30 class, who tipped his hat to Renato Capobianco for really giving him the desire to be a coach. And I'm like, wait, I know that guy. I love that guy. Let's get him on. And he's on right now, Renato Capobianco. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Dean, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to uh, catch up. Yeah, one of the things that uh, I always liked about you is you had time for everybody and knowing that Warren Backman will follow you and he says your name first when asked about mentors and memories. How's that make you feel? I got into coaching because I had great mentors. If you're lucky, you have mentors and you think about them all the time. And for Warren to say something like, like that is, is very special because I had two very special mentors growing up. And, and then believe it or not, a, a third one that you and I worked with, you know, um, uh, Bill Nuttall, who was a tremendous boss. But it's, it's very special when you know that you can, you can help people the way you know you were helped by others. Renato Capobianco has been the head coach of Regis College, their men's soccer team since 2011 as that is a long time, doing great job in D3, where he's also the strength and conditioning coach, I guess, for all sports, Renato, at the college? or Yes, all, all sports. 
All right. And then obviously, if you're wondering, how do I know Renato? Well, we actually traveled the world together from 91 to 94. Renato served as the team administrator for the men's U.S. national team, which eventually became the U.S. men's 94 World Cup team. During that period, the U.S. national team played more than 80 games in more than 24 countries, culminating in the 1994 World Cup that was held in the United States. We stayed in contact afterwards as we both worked for Major League Soccer. I was the director of communications. He did some cool things. In 95, he held the post of deputy competition manager for the South Florida soccer venue of the 96 Atlanta Olympic Games. From 96 through 2001, he worked in Major League Soccer as both an assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Mutiny and the New England Revolution and as a director of soccer for the San Jose Earthquakes, the New England Revolution again. In 96, he was also the assistant coach of the East team of the MLS All-Star Game. He has worked at Harvard and other places. We'll get into that. But Renato, specifically, you already mentioned Bill Nuttall. But for me, the biggest thing you did is you were able to be, uh, I don't know if it's the muse or I don't know what you call it, but the one person that was able to communicate with Bora, keep Bora organized, keep him on track. And of course, I'm talking about Bora Militinovich, one of the most eccentric coaches this game has ever seen. What do you remember about that experience? It's one of the top, easily, three experiences of my life from a professional point of view, because um, as you know, we were embarking on something that had never been done, which is putting a, a national team into a residency program. And, and uh, you know, when you and I were talking about this, when you invited me to do this uh, podcast, I started thinking about that. And in a way, you know, getting Mission Viejo up and running was, uh, you know, in some ways it was almost like if you were to look at like um, Woodstock, you know, it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of things wrong with it, but it'll never get done that way again. And, and you know, people, when we talk about Mission Viejo, uh, you got to talk about the closeness of the staff. There was me, you, there was, uh, you know, uh, the equipment manager, there was a massage therapist, there was an athletic trainer, there was our boss, Bill Nuttall. But there was Bora, and Bora was was the headliner. He was he was uh, unique. You know, he did things uh, in a way that a lot of people weren't used to. You know, very much. Um, let's wait and see what happens, and then we'll make a decision. And that's not the way a lot of us were used to doing uh, things. Uh, but I do believe that uh, the reason why everybody gave their best during those three years is because they knew that Bora cared about you. Uh, and, and at no point in time, did you think board doesn't, you know, doesn't care about me. You knew that he cared. He was just tasked with doing something very important and he was going to do it his way. Um, but that experience with him was phenomenal because I spoke Spanish and, and I, I think one of the, the funniest things of the three years was the times him and I would get in heated arguments, totally, totally friendly, heated arguments. And people like yourself would go, are you in trouble? Are you going to get fired? I'm like, no, we're fine. <laughs> this is just the way we talk to each other. Um, but it was a tremendous experience of you know, never knowing what was going to come around the corner and knowing that it just had to get done. And, uh, you know, I've told people that was the best and worst experience of my life, mostly the best, uh, because you're dealing with iconic people that have been there, done that several times early, uh, early, early in their life. And if, if you're lucky enough in your young career to be around those type of people, you will find that you will call upon those experiences for the rest of your life. 
What's funny you say that on Saturday, I called North Carolina FC against Greenville coached by John Harks, right? Who was in the middle of all that. He was a little bit different because he was playing overseas, but he eventually ended up in Mission Viejo. And, you know, we run into those people all the time. I know Bruce Murray used to live right by you as well. And John Kerr, who was part of the player pool, you're good friends with. You run into those people all the time, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because I do remember, and we all said this, when we were going through that, we would jokingly say, you know, please, God, can I somehow erase this memory? I don't want to ever think about this again. But as you become the professional you are and, and you start to have the experiences and you start to become a boss of people, you start realizing that you are going to start calling on these on these uh, experiences. And it is amazing how sometimes I'll come up to someone like, um, you know, if, if I run into a player from that time and one of the first things they will say is, Hey, hey, my friend, how are you doing? And we don't know who we're talking about, you know, and it's, and it's because someone like that had an impact on our lives. You know, it's interesting you tagged Bill Nuttall because Bill was almost the opposite of Bora, but in many ways similar in that Bill did not mind being kind of spur of the moment and, hey, let's go play this Moldova in Davidson, North Carolina. Renato, make it happen, you know, and let's get rolling, right? So Bill kind of rolled with it. No, it, it, it was. I remember, you know, because remember, this is before cell phones and, uh, you know, yeah, people had cell phones, but they never use them. Uh, and I remember every now and then I would get a call from uh, from Bill Nuttall. He said, hey, can you come up to my room? And I normally meant, OK, this is going to be fun. And he'd, he'd start the sentence off with, how you doing, big guy? And I'd say, all right, here it comes. Where are we going? And, and, and how many days do we have to get ready for this? But, you know, Bill, you know, a lot of people have described Bill Nuttall as kind of like David Letterman, you know, and, and in terms of the easygoingness of his demeanor and, and to work for bosses like Bill, who, like you said, in some ways was completely opposite from Bora and in some ways was the exact same person. <laughs> to have those two type of bosses, when you think about that, it was such a close-knit group. You know, there was five of us and then Bora and the assistant coaches, but Bora and Bill, uh, you look back at that, you just can't put a price on those experiences. I, I got to share uh, a story that I, I, this, I told for the first time two years ago. I totally forgot about it. And then I was asked to give a talk at uh, UConn soccer camp. Um, they said, can you tell us a funny story about this whole World Cup experience? And I don't even think I may have told you this. Um, this was the night before we were supposed to play Romania, which was the third game of the round robin uh, tournament in the World Cup. And the winner of that game, we both had qualified, but the winner of that game would decide who'd play first and second, which meant the difference between playing Argentina or Brazil. <laughs> so the night before the game, I have to go give some paperwork to Bora. It's probably 11 o'clock at night. And I knock on the door and he goes, come in, come in. And I walk in and sitting there in his suite, is the Romanian coach and they're playing chess together at 11 o'clock at night before this game. Wow. So he goes, Renato, my friend, say hello. Do you know who this is? I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> and he goes, what do you want? I said, oh, I need to give you these papers. And I shook the guy's hand and I left and I immediately went to my hotel room and I, I said, Bill, I need to talk to you immediately. He goes, oh, okay. So I went to his room and he goes, what's up, big guy? He goes, um, he goes, did you see something you're not supposed to see? I said, yes. He goes, did it involve one of our players? I go, no. 
I said, it involved Bora. He goes, okay, do, do I want to know this? I said, yeah, you need to know this. So I told him, I said, uh, I just went to his room and he's playing chess with the Romanian national team coach. And I, I, I seem to remember Bill thought it was very funny, but then he said, have you told anybody this? I said, no, he goes, let's just keep it that way. <laughs> you know, if you think about that now, if that would, if something like that were to come out now, you yeah. know, with two teams in the World Cup, the coaches were, you know, hanging out together the day before a, a game that had meaning, uh, you know, uh, social media would have a field day with it, but it just was, you know, another day in Boraland, for lack of a better word. Well, yeah, remember Bora's relationship with the media? It was unbelievable. Like, he would have them over for dinner, and I wouldn't even know about it, right? I mean, he was tight <laughs> with the LA Times and the Orange County Register and Soccer America, all uh, those guys and gals. I, I remember after a while, when, when you got savvy to him, and you would hear a, a, a newspaper guy go, hey, Dean, I, I was told I got an exclusive with Bora. And you would say, is he asking you for a ride someplace? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You're like, good luck. <laughs> That's awesome. That was going to be a six-hour trip now. Whatever he thought he was going to get, he was in for more than he was going to ask for. So it was great. Well, Renato, here you are going down memory lane on United Soccer Coaches podcast. And so just talk about your career and your path as you found your way into coaching, particularly college coaching. And also, you know, I look at you and I can tell that, you know, nutrition and strength is important to you as well, but just, you know, talk about your path and your different steps and how you woke up one day and said, you know what, my heart really is in coaching and this is where I belong. Well, I, I I've been ridiculously lucky that I've been able to do so many good things. Um, and, and, you know, from, from working in, in Major League Soccer, both on and off the field. And, and I, met, I met a very important person. I, you probably know him, a guy by the name of Eddie Tremble. And, and he once told me, he goes, Nato, make sure you know how to do something else because you don't want to be one of those guys that follows the bouncing ball. And I said to him, what do you mean by that? He goes, you don't want to be one of those guys that just only knows one thing and, and has to just follow that one thing all over the all over the country, you know, it takes your your family. Eventually, it'll take its toll. Yes, it's a wonderful career, but you want to be able to make sure you do something else. And you know, I was you know I had a degree in exercise science, so I said, you know what, th that's what's going to be my my other thing. So that way, I don't have to follow the bouncing ball. Now, I had a great time following the bouncing ball for ten years. Don't get me wrong. Um, at some point in time, you have to decide what you need to do. And luckily for me, I was able to to use you know, my strength and conditioning background to, to work at places like Harvard University for two years. Um, and anywhere I went, any team I worked with, I was normally involved in somehow in the strength and conditioning part of it. So I was lucky that I could do strength and conditioning, I could help coach, and I could do you know, the, the administrative side. So that, that made me very fortunate that I could kind of land different types of jobs. Um, when I stayed here in Boston, uh, I eventually uh, just started doing some strength and conditioning after my time in MLS. And then I coached high school for 10 years, which to this day, I think is just the funnest part of coaching is to, to coach high school soccer, because you have kids for three months dedicated. They're at practice. They're excited that their parents, their girlfriends are going to be at the game. There's rivalries with the next town over. It's just a unique experience. And I did that for 10 years. Um, and I said, you know what, let's, let's try to go back to coaching college because that, that's kind of where I got my start in San Diego. Um, and luckily for me, 
you know, I've been able to do now both for 11 years, uh, you know, coach the men. Uh, a couple of years ago, the school said, we want to, we want to have a, a first rate strength and conditioning facility. Can you, can you build one for us? And I was lucky enough to, you know, imagine if someone said to you, and I'm sure you do this all the time, you build studios from scratch, right? And, and you're just getting carte blanche and you say, okay, build a state-of-the-art facility that anybody could come in here and, and, um, and, and, and bring their team together. So I've been very lucky that now I'm in a situation in a, in a beautiful city, a wonderful city, a sports town uh, that just loves their sports. And I'm, I'm coaching soccer and uh, being, hopefully being able to make a difference with, with kids and, and, and doing the strength and conditioning because uh, that allows me to work with other sports and it also allows me to work with female athletes. So that keeps, you know, the year fresh. So I'm not just coaching boys soccer all the or men's soccer all the time. You know, it's a different, it's a different, um, it's a different environment. So I've, I've been very blessed that I've been able to do what I've, what I want to do as opposed to just take jobs because I, I need the work. You know, if, if you're lucky, you're waking up in the morning and I tell my players this, have you ever seen your parents at the breakfast table go, son, I can't wait to go to work today? <laughs> you know, very few people. I mean, I, I have a feeling you look forward to going to work every day. And so that puts us in a very, uh, I think, a very unique, um, unique group of people. Really well said. We're here with Renato Capobianco, who's had an amazing career, now getting it done at Regis College after we spent uh, those three great years together with the 1994 U.S. World Cup team. Part of your blessings also include your girl dad. You're the father of two girls. What has that meant to you in your life? It's been amazing. It, it, it's, um, I, I just, I became a dad very late. I had my first child at 48 and I was coaching high school at the time. And I remember every single parent of my high school team came up to me and said, don't blink because they're gonna be in high school really soon. Uh, I mean, everybody said that and I've taken that to heart. And uh, no matter how tired I am, I try to make sure I have time for them because I'm fully aware that when they turn 13, I don't exist anymore. I get that, <laughs> I understand that. So, um, you know, I, I try to take them everywhere I can. I remember um, Michael Brady, the assistant, assistant men's coach at Duke University once told me, you know, for three years, the best part of his day was going to and from soccer practice with his daughter in the car, because it was the one time he had to really just bond with her. Um, and, and all these little tidbits I've just taken. Um, and I think being an older dad makes you realize, you know, you, how important this opportunity is to be a father. And do I get a lot of things wrong? Of course I do. But um, my, my oldest one loves hockey and I love the fact that I get to help coach that um, because every day on the ice is a new experience for me. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, but I just, I have two girls and um, it's wonderful. It's absolutely the best. I love it. Renato Capobianco, you know, you're on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I feel like I've seen you at a convention here or there, so I'm not sure how involved you are, but as you kind of look back on your career how have you found United Soccer Coaches to be helpful in, in you growing as a coach? You know, the convention is an, a very important piece because it allows you to hear different opinions. And, and, and I remember about six, seven years ago, I went to a, 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 a seminar that 
two Dutch coaches gave. Uh, and it was just fascinating to hear, you know, a lot of people say you know, a lot of great things about the Dutch, but they, they, they gave a very unique perspective that day that's just stayed with me forever. And, and, and uh, sometimes you, you have to hear an outside opinion to, to continue to grow. And I think that uh, US, you know, United Soccer Coaches does a great job with their convention of bringing in quality people uh, because it's so easy to start to put blinders on. You know, it's important to be focused, but it's also important to, to always listen to very different opinions, like Boris, for example, to make yourself real. I, you know, I, I have to assume that you've used Bohr examples with your kids sometimes. Um, and, and I think United Soccer does that, does a tremendous job of bringing in different opinions. I like the fact that we started with the fact that coming up is Warren Backman, who's a member of a 30 under 30. I always ask about memories and mentors. He immediately said your name. You've already talked about great memories and mentors. Renato, I feel like you're such a fascinating person in this sport that there are going to be other young coaches that might want some advice from you. Is there a way for people to keep in touch with you on social media or through email that, you know, they listen to this interview. They're like, man, I, I like this dude. I, I'd like to know more about him and, and his path. You can reach me via my school email. Uh, and I do my best to return emails within 24 hours. And believe it or not, I learned that from our old boss, Sunil Galati. I mean, there, there's a guy that no matter how busy he was, you got a, an email or a text immediately. Uh, so that's one of the things I learned from one of our other bosses. Uh, but yeah, uh, reach out to me through the school email at Regis College. Um, I think our athletic website is goregispride.com um, and reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to help you out. You know, biggest advice I could give you on coaches is find yourself a mentor. Find yourself a mentor that uh, is not only going to teach you about coaching but more importantly how to how to deal with people um, and and be ready to uh, accept a lot of things that seem foreign to you because someone that's 20 years older than you has been there and done that several times and if you're lucky enough to be, have someone like that teach you you should have your ears open I love that. And I like the fact that you also mentioned Sunil Galati, both Sunil and Bill. Anytime I reach out to them, they immediately get back to me. And I'll end with this. So Sunil told me immediately when I met Leah Paval up at the World Cup offices, the Century City Tower, he said, Dean, don't even try. You got no chance. So every, every yeah, every New Year's Eve, I send him a note. And the last one was, hey, uh, 27 years, Sunil, you still think I got no chance? And of course, he always gets right back to me. Um, great memories, though, indeed. Right, Renato? No, I mean, again, think of, you think about the, bo the bosses, the people we've worked with that we still stay in touch with 25, 30 years later. Um, and now there's another World Cup coming up here. But you look at, at the people, not only how important they were in the industry, but good people, good people that cared about your work, cared about you as a person. And that's why we bent over backwards for them. Amen. Renato Capobianco, this has been outstanding. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thank you so much. And, and it was great catching up with you. Coming up, Warren Backman, who coached under Renato Capobianco and is a member of our amazing 30 under 30 class for United Soccer Coaches. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. 
You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America ceremony and reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11th through 15, 2023. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. I want to thank Renato Capobianco for that great visit as we broke down his amazing journey through soccer that continues to thrive. And he mentioned Warren Backman, a member of our 30 under 30 class. Warren Backman will also mention Renato Capobianco. And I'm thrilled to talk to Warren Backman, who like me at one time was an aspiring broadcaster, but now has his eyes laser focused on coaching. And Warren Backman joins us now. Warren, as a member of the 30 under 30 class for United Soccer Coaches, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you for having me, Dean. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, I can't wait to get into your story, particularly all your work in broadcasting. And I know now your focus is heavily on coaching, but let's get to know you. You've got the floor. Tell us where you grew up. Tell us how you ended up in Boston for quite a while. Tell us how you ended up back in Florida. Absolutely. So my story is a bit unique. I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Uh, My father was an ex-professional player. He played 16 years. He's from South Africa. He played 16 years professionally for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the Tampa Bay Mutiny when they were a team as well in Major League Soccer. Played a little bit in Portugal as well. And then, of course, had me uh, actually on a night of a game, ironically. (laughs) I was in the middle of a game when I was when I was born and he got subbed out by Thomas Rongin and it was rushed to the rushed to the hospital to make sure he didn't miss my birth. So you could literally say I've been involved in soccer since the day of my birth. So <laughs> I've I've had a uh, some fantastic coaches in my lifetime, uh, my father being one of them. And I wanted to go to a school where I wanted to pursue broadcasting, just like yourself, as you mentioned. Also to go to New England. I love the Boston area. I love New England. And so when I was getting recruited, I had a couple different options, but ultimately settled on Emerson College, which is in downtown Boston, Division Three school in the New Mac. Great conference, great area to be in. And as you said, I was pursuing broadcasting. I I was studying sports communications at Emerson College. I was doing broadcasting through Tampa Bay Rowdies, Orlando City, and trying to get some internship experience there, getting on the mic, getting on different games. And when I graduated, I was working for Boston City FC, which is an NPSL team in Malden, Mass., where I commentated with a friend of mine, uh, Nico Emac, who has worked for NPR and has worked for the Cambridge City government as well. So he's still broadcasting as well. So the two of us were a great little duo there. And eventually, we both started to realize that broadcasting is great, but if we want to expand into other sports, we've got to go year round. We only have experience in soccer. And so what we were doing in the meantime was coaching, coaching youth soccer on the side, And I eventually made the decision personally that I wanted to get my master's degree. So that led me to getting into coaching through being a graduate assistant at at Regis College, who the head coach, as I'm sure you know, is Renato Capobianco, who is a team administrator on the 1994 men's national team for the World Cup when it was in the U.S. So I had a great mentorship when I was younger. Through that, I mean, to have Renato as your first ever mentor head coach is, is, was a phenomenal experience. But I also had a great coach throughout my time at Emerson. I had Jared Scarpacci, who was, a, who was the vice president of a big club, Aztec Youth Soccer, up in the North Shore area of Boston. Brian Harkin as well, who has now moved on 
to be the assistant men's soccer coach at Harvard. So I've been blessed to have great role models, great coaches my whole life, but I had never really considered going into coaching full time until I had gotten into it and gotten kind of boots on the ground at Regis and really had a great experience there in my two years, although COVID definitely, definitely messed that up a little bit as it did with all of us. And so from there, I wanted to continue coaching. I really had to sit down and make a decision. And that's what found me up with a phenomenal opportunity here at Lynn University down in Boca Raton. So that's where I am right now. I love that story. As you can see over my shoulder, the 94 World Cup. So I traveled the world for three years with Renato Capobianco. We worked together. He was the team administrator. I was the senior press officer. I don't know if you knew that or not. And um, obviously, oh, I didn't. yeah, we kept in touch on Facebook. In fact, it kind of inspires me to maybe want to get Renato on the show as well and talk about his career because he was amazing. The way he dealt with Bora Militinovich was just incredible. And I got to witness that firsthand. I mean, he truly was the, the glue to our entire operation. And then, you know, I was the original voice of the Colorado Rapids and I called a game at the old Sombrero. And so tell me your dad's name, because I may have called his, his game. Yeah, so ironically, uh, that game, the Niner was born on, on June 8th, uh, 1996, was against the Colorado Rapids. So it, honestly, it might have been that game. And my name, my father's name was Derek Backman. Okay. Yeah, I was, I called that game. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. So you, you, were, you were essentially there that night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's such a small world. That's what I love about my job and doing all these things and the crossover. That, that's just incredible. And you know, for him to also have that history, I'm, I'm assuming you're saying he had the history with the old Tampa Bay Rowdies before they went MLS. Is that right? Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He, he played for them from 88 until 93 when the Rowdies went uh, defunct, unfortunately. And then, of course, there was an in-between league there for a little bit, indoor. And that's when he was in Portugal playing. And then he came back for the uh, for the inaugural MLS season. And that that mutiny team was big time. They had some big characters on the team. Valderrama, of course, is the most obvious one. Roy Lasseter, Clay Coyman, Steve Trichu, uh, Frankie Yallop. I can go on and on and on. John Diffley, Steve Ralston. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I, I'm still good friends with Steve Trichu, who came to the Colorado Rapids and got us uh, into the MLS Cup in the second year of MLS. And of course, Carlos Valderrama eventually made his way to, to Colorado as well. And man, incredible names. Clay Coyman is on the picture behind me with a 94 team and I love you dropping those names. A uh, real quick little segue before we get back to you, but the Weggerly brothers, you know, they were more NASL, but did your, did your dad know the Weggerly boys at all? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. I believe he was, he was coached by Roy at some point as well. When he, he came over uh, Ricky Hill as well, when he came over from Luton town. So yeah, he has been, he's, he's been involved with some games. So we still go back and, and see Rowdy's games, of course, as well, uh, a couple of times a year and still involved there. So it's, it's, it's been fantastic to be able to see the Rowdies come back because when I was growing up until I was 14, 15 years old, there was no professional team in my area. You know, the Rowdies didn't exist. Orlando City didn't exist yet. So to now see the Rowdies, Orlando, Inter-Miami, you know, Miami FC, just in the state of Florida is fantastic to see from, from a Floridian like myself. And what is your dad doing now? Uh, so we actually have a family business that we own. My, my grandparents started it. It's called Smart Interiors. It's a furniture store. It's an interior design store uh, just north of Tampa. And so when my dad was playing, of course, back in those days, they weren't making uh, 500000 a week like they do now in the Premier League. So uh, he was working part-time with uh, his mother-in-law, ironically, in, in the furniture store. And 
after he retired, he became a part owner with my mother. And that's what they've been doing ever since then is, is working at, at the furniture store. And I help every summer. I, you know, load the furniture, drive the truck, do deliveries. And that was my, my summers pretty much for the most part. So pleased to have Warren Backman on one of the great members of the 30 under 30 incredible story. So when you went to your dad, who's obviously tied to Florida and said, Hey, I want to go up to Boston to play college soccer. What was his reaction and how much did you enjoy playing at Emerson? Uh, he was all for it. He was all for it. Uh, he was very supportive of me. My mother is actually from Maine. So we have some connection with there with the New England area. When I was younger and in high school, I went to a school called Berkeley Preparatory School in Tampa. And they took us throughout New England and basically gave us a tour of a lot of different schools. And one of the schools we visited was Emerson College. And so I really like the Boston area. I, I love my time there. You know, I think like a lot of kids, when I was 17 years old, I was coming from, you know, a big time club team who had you know, played in a national championship and, and traveled across the country. And so you think going into, you know, quote unquote, little old D3 that you're, you're big time, you're going to boss this, this is going to be easy. And my first ever game was a preseason game against Tufts University that went on to win the national championship that year under Josh Shapiro. So I got woken up pretty quickly. I, I, got, I got my bell rung and I realized, oh, I am not nearly as good as I thought I was. And, but I, I love my experience at Emerson. We played against great teams like Tufts, Babson, MIT, Springfield College. That New Mac conference is, is a great conference, one of the best in the country. And so we were able to play against some top quality teams. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I played a lot. And I finished in, in top 10 with assists as well and was able to play and have a wonderful career there and really enjoy my time living in Boston. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because it was so different from Florida, as you said, you know, when you grow up in a place like LA or, or, or Florida where, you know, it's warm and it's kind of the same weather year round. I think ironically that attracts a lot of kids to do something different. And what I've noticed in my time coaching as well is we've been very successful at Regis College when I was with Renato, as you mentioned, getting kids from San Diego, getting kids from Texas, getting kids from Miami, because it is different. They want to do something different. They don't want to just, you know, sit on the beach day after day after day. They want to go and challenge themselves and do something different. And of course, that's not for everybody, but for those kids who are daring and independent and willing to go to, to a big city like Boston, like myself, I was raring to go. I was super excited about it. And so to be able to do that was a fantastic, fantastic experience to play at Emerson. And as you mentioned, you were also raring to go as a broadcaster. So I'm assuming you started maybe doing some games for Emerson. And then I really want to know about how you were able to be an analyst or a broadcaster while you were playing. I mean, were you actually mic'd up while you were playing or how did that no, work? No, no, no. I think that'd be a bit too complicated for the, uh, for their budget, but um, no. So, so essentially, you know, I started broadcasting, as you said, when I was at Emerson uh, doing women's soccer games, you know, helping out different, different types of sporting events there. And so what I really started broadcasting was UPSL games online just as a freelancer um we have a friend of ours uh duncan bakikio is his name is from la he played with me at emerson college and he ended up going back to la when he graduated and playing in a upsl team and through uh the uh the my juco app was able to broadcast his games from la when i was in boston and kind of just getting a lot of different experience through that and then when i was playing i played for a upsl team called boston siege so commentating on those games while playing in the games and then also commentating for Boston City FC, as I mentioned before, in Malden, 
I was really able to do both uh, sort of simultaneously. The away games, if I wasn't picked to go play, I would just stay home and, and broadcast it. And then obviously if I'm playing, I'm playing. It was a fantastic experience. And that was the summer right after I graduated. So it was, a, it was an interesting time, that's for sure. Yeah, and you're right. You know, unless you can cross over and do multiple sports and, you know, get established, you know, like I've been at the Big Ten Network since day one. So it is hard, right, to make a full-time living unless, you know, you're Jim Nance and Mike Green and, and one of the all-time greats. So clearly you woke up one day and said, hey, I love doing this. And I can tell you'd be good at it, Warren, because you're fantastic on this interview. But you're like, wait, I can get a master's. I can get into coaching. I'm going to cut the broadcasting cord. And I'm going to go all in. Is that kind of how it went down? Yes and no, for the most part. I mean, I, I felt like I needed to get my master's degree because that's what everyone tells everybody these days is that, you know, you got to go get the master's, the bachelor, everybody has one. It's, it's no big deal almost to have one anymore. So when I was looking to do that, as I said, you know, how do I pay for this? You know, I don't want to ask my parents for more 60,000 more dollars a year or however much you know, whatever the respective school cost. So when I got the opportunity to do, to apply to several different graduate assistant positions, I landed on Regis College. And it was funny when Renato called me the first day, he said the same thing you did, which is, what is your last name? Backman, hold on a second, Derek. And then of course he, he coached my father at the mutiny uh, and just had, you know, 21, 22 years had gone by. And uh, had never reconnected, had never spoken to him. But it's like you said, it's a small world. So it's funny how these things work out. But I just fell in love with coaching. I fell in love with coaching. I fell in love with all the different finite nuances of it. I fell in love with recruiting, which, you know, is a border to a lot of people. But I love to travel. I love to meet new people. I love to be able to be involved in that recruiting aspect. And so when I was able to do that and really kind of, kind of dig my claws into that, I really enjoyed the as coaching aspect of it and like you said the, the 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 broadcasting thing i don't want to say fell by the wayside because i was still doing some things i commentated for the uh the concacaf under 17 uh gold cup at img academy one summer but as i said i think i think unfortunately it's just a bit it, not like coaching isn't difficult to break into <laughs> um but it's it's a very tough industry to break into as you said and so ultimately going into coaching, I felt was, was the best situation moving forward of where I could climb that ladder. And, uh, you know, sitting here as a 30 under 30 member for United soccer coaches and being able to be in division two and, and coach at a team that was ranked number three in the country and, and have a phenomenal experience working and, and meeting people from around the country has been just fantastic for not only my own personal development, but just it's hard to realize the dream when four years ago you were sitting in a, you know, a studio apartment in Boston trying to commentate on games all the way out in, in, in L.A. and thinking about what are you even doing with your life? And now four years later to, to be here and, and not like I've made it in any way, shape or form, but to slowly but surely seeing the fruits of your labor and start to tick up that ladder is really satisfying. I want to get to the 30 under 30 and what made you want to apply. But before we do, I do want to tip my hat to Lynn. Who are the coaches that you're working with at Lynn and how much are you enjoying that? Oh, it's been fantastic so far. So John Roots is my head coach. He was formerly of Southern New Hampshire, won a national championship there. Clemson won a national championship there in 1988. And then he came down to Lynn. He had a couple other stops on the way, Clayton State um, and SCAD as well. And he's been at Lynn since 2008, like I said, and won and won two national championships there in 2012, 2014. And each has been fantastic. I mean, someone who has won five national championships over the course of his career 
and has been in so many other countless final fours. I can't even begin to mention the, the, the years and national championship games has been fantastic to see how a team of that caliber is what is run. You know, we, we, we scrimmage a lot of division one teams. And I think there's always that debate, right? Of, Oh, what if, what if, you know, a really good D three team played a, a bad division one team, how would that work out? I can assure you that there are division three teams who could beat division, a ton of division one teams and vice versa in Lynn's no exception. Um, we, you know, have been able to have, have a great experience there and, Really just to see the stature of what Lynn is, you know, when, when you walk around, whether it's at recruiting different events or whatnot, people recognize Lynn, they know Lynn, they respect Lynn. And so working at a program of this caliber has been a great honor for me. Uh, Anthony Desperito is the head assistant coach. He was a former player there, won a national championship in 2012 and has been coaching there ever since. He's been fantastic to learn from as well. And, and Chris Pineau is the other assistant as well. Uh, who has, has been, you know, kind of starting his, his coaching journey as well along with me. So it's been fantastic to work with them. And like, I, like, like you mentioned before, off the air, you know, living, in, living just north of Miami, is, it hasn't been too bad this past year in terms of weather-wise. It hasn't been too bad. But we've, we've played against the best of the best, and it's really opened my eyes to, you know, there's college soccer, and then I think there is the top caliber of program. And Lynn is a top caliber program where we have been able to, you know, get some guys in that are, that are fantastic players and have really been able to see what you can make a college soccer program if you are as accomplished as, as Coach Roots has been and really are as precise and, and go at it as much as you can, what it can become if you put in the fruits of your labor. Great interview here with Warren Backman, a member of the 30 under 30 class. In addition to coaching the Fighting Knights, Warren is also a coach for a team at Team Boca, I believe. Are you still with Team Boca, Warren? Yes. Yes, I am as well. Uh, just, you know, coaching youth soccer, as we all have to do as coaches to uh, make some money on the side. But it's been fantastic working with them. I, I took over a team uh, that I was told by the, the, the director of coaching, Michael Araujo, that uh, it's going to be difficult <laughs> to take them over. They were had only won three games a season prior, and uh, since taking them over, it's got nothing to do with me, but they picked up some players before I showed up, and so we have just gone from strength to strength, and we've won league season, spring and fall, multiple different tournaments, and actually, it's funny you mentioned just this past weekend, we had our Florida State Cup uh, group, first round group, and we were drawn with number three team in the state and we had to win the group to go through because we were a group of three and we ended up uh, somehow pulling a uh, Jose Mourinho-esque uh, tactical masterclass of, of kind of parking the bus and, and scraping a one nil win and uh, where, so this team that had like I mentioned I had not been successful at all the previous years now in the final 16 of Florida State Cup so uh, I'm very proud of them you know that they're, they're they're great kids to work with it's a great club to work for the coaching director as I mentioned Michael Araujo is a great guy as well who formerly played at Lynn so you have that connection there and he's been great to learn from he's given me the freedom to do what I want with the team and uh, the guys have bought in and it's been fantastic so far so for for, for kids and parents who like I mentioned you know haven't haven't necessarily won a lot and been successful trying to get them and seeing them become you know winners for lack of a better word and, and and love to win and understand the hard work that goes into it and the preparation that goes into it has been awesome to see and incredibly rewarding for me as a coach 
two more questions for Warren Backman, another member of our 30 under 30 class and a great one indeed. As I mentioned, I wanted to ask you about the 30 under 30 as you know, you finally make this decision to go full-time in coaching. When did you find out about 30 under 30 and United soccer coaches and what made you want to be a member? Well, I had found out uh, the year prior I was trying to apply and I realized I was too late <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Um, one of my friends of mine, my coaching friends of mine, Marco DeVito, who won the award last year, uh, who was at Anna Maria College up in Paxson, Massachusetts, and now is at Babson College. Uh, so another new Mac rival there. I, I give him, I rib him about it a lot. But uh, he was the one who actually introduced me to the award, and I didn't even realize what it really was until he had applied and he told me to apply. And like I said, it was too late. So waiting a whole year. So it was something I definitely wanted to always do. And when he spoke about his experience and he spoke about what he went through and the mentorship that he got, that was something that really was interesting to me. And I've been paired with a phenomenal mentor. His name is Chris Barocas. He is the goalkeeper coach for Inter Miami uh, on the MLS Next Pro team. And then also is the head of goalkeeping for the Inter Miami uh, MLS Academy as well. And so he's been fantastic. I've been able to shadow him at different practices and, and see, see that top quality of MLS caliber players play and MLS Next calibers play. He's been fantastic to get advice for. He's been all over the block, Red Bulls, Inter Miami, like I said, Orlando City and the college game as well. So um, to have somebody as him as a mentor was honestly a great pairing. And we've been able to meet a lot in person because we're close to each other. And I've learned a lot from him. He's given me a ton of different advice and career moves. What's the next step for me? What's the next path? Where do I see myself? And really just planning that out has been awesome for me because I think as we mentioned before we all start with dreams you know no matter how delusional they may or may not be and just to be able to wrap my head around you know what is realistic what are the next steps what's your action plan and achieving those goals is has been awesome for me and it's been really really helpful. Well that's a great segue to my final question if you've listened to any of my interviews with the 30 under 30 class I call it the crystal ball question and you just mentioned your next step your next path so as you sit here right now 10 years from now Warren and you've had an incredible career incredible connections to great people including your father who everybody has great respect for 10 years from now where will Warren Backman be possibly I would like to think at, at in in 10 years especially in in a decade that uh, that I would be the head coach of a collegiate soccer program, whether that's Division Three, uh, Division Two, II, Division One. Who knows? But I would I would like to think that realistically that it would be it would be the head coach of a collegiate soccer program, wherever that may be. Uh, hopefully that that comes sooner rather than later. So I've been you know pounding the pavement and, and like I said, keep keep grinding and, and keep learning and keep gaining these experiences through these different connections that I have. And as you said, I've been blessed. I've been blessed to have good mentors from my father, from, you know, through to in my college coaches, all the way through to the people that I've worked with since I've started coaching as well in college. So it's it's been fantastic so far. So hopefully I can be a collegiate head coach in the next 10 years and really just start to make my own impact on the game, start to make my own impact and start to carve out a program with my vision and my thoughts uh, I know I'm very young and obviously unexperienced at this age, but ultimately that would be my, that would be my goal one day. The ties that bind you and I are incredible. The broadcasting ties, Renato Capobianco, your dad, a Tampa Bay mutiny, Thomas Rongan, Steve Trichu, the Weggerlies, 
Uh, just amazing, Warren. I really enjoy this. Congrats on being a member of the 30 under 30 class. So glad that you're in coaching. I wouldn't be surprised if you still dabble a little bit in broadcasting because you're pretty good at that as well. Warren Backman, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thank you for having me, Dean. I appreciate it. We are not done. We meet one more 30 under 30 member, Tori Christ, who ironically just spent her third year with Nancy Feldman, who was on last week's show after announcing her retirement following 27 brilliant years at Boston University. Tori Christ at Boston University still today. Hopefully she'll hang on with the new head coach, a member of our 30 under 30 class, Tori Christ, when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches, less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. If you've listened to the show, you know my favorite part of the show is getting to know several of the members of the 30 under 30 class, just amazing young men and women. Last week, we had Nancy Feldman on after an amazing 27-year career at Boston U. So one week later, we're proud to have one of her assistant coaches. She starred at Cornell. She coached at Cornell. She played with the Breakers a little bit. She played overseas. We're talking about Tori Chris, spelled C-H-R-I-S-T, and Tori joins us now. Tori, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you, Dean. Thanks for the introduction, and thanks for having me. You know, it's interesting. As Nancy Feldman retires, she's very much in the sort of views of United Soccer Coaches, very godlike, and I look at your name, spelled Christ, <laughs> pronounced Chris. We had a little fun with that. You've heard all the Jesus and God jokes, I'm sure, for a long, long time. Oh, all the time. All too, They're too true to me, honestly. But And how did your parents tell you to, to deal with that growing up? They always said politely correct. So I think I tried to do that, but you get to a certain point where you almost just accept it and, and it's okay as long as you, they get the first name right. And, and it's a little bit funny. I mean, everybody enjoys it and asks the question. So uh, you just embrace it, I think, too. Look, we're going to have you tell your whole story, but because this is timely, last week was Nancy Feldman. This week is you. Of course, you've been working under Nancy Feldman for the last, what, one or two years? How many years you've been with Nancy? Um, I just finished my third season. Third season. Congratulations. Obviously, Thank big you. news for her to step aside and just kind of reflect on what it means to have worked under her and what it means for her to enter this new phase of her life. She's an amazing coach, human being, mentor. I'm really grateful to have kind of been with her for the last portion of her career and to learn from her and to really be a part of the culture that she created at Boston University. I had a couple friends kind of growing up that I played ODP with and ultimately the Breakers. When they committed to Boston University, we stayed in touch. And I heard over their college careers, the amazing memories and the traditions and the success that they had. So I think I got a little taste from kind of a secondhand perspective from people that I really trusted. And when I was finishing up my playing career, I had just gotten back from Finland and I reached out to her because I really respected her. I had no idea if we'd 
be able to get to connect and, and get her advice. And I was in Boston and we met at her favorite coffee shop down from BU. I was coming off a playing career, just looking for advice. And she took the time to meet with me. And I ended up starting my coaching career at my alma mater at Cornell. But two years after that, I got the job here at Boston University and it came full circle. And you almost realize we were talking before this, but you get to work with somebody and see them on a day-to-day basis. And she pours her whole heart and soul into the program she has for 27 years. But then you, you read everything that she's done and her legacy and how she kind of just keeps her head down and does what she thinks right and knows how to win and how to create this culture. And so I remember sitting back at Blue State, knowing that I was with somebody that was pretty remarkable and then, you know, getting to work with her. It's been amazing. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Well, thanks for sharing that. You know, when I look at your bio, you're also pretty remarkable. Anybody that gets an education from Cornell and also is an athlete. I believe you're a goalkeeper, right? At Cornell, is that right? Yes. And then also worked with Alyssa Nair at the Boston Breakers as one of the goalkeepers. Pretty amazing. So let's tell your story. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you play youth? Obviously, academics was important to you. Talk about your decision to head to Cornell after you break down, you know, where you played as a youth player. I'm from Buffalo, New York. My family is still still there, born and raised. They love it. And I had a great childhood. I started goalkeeper Um, At a pretty young age, I think I was around the age of six when I started, and I played club soccer in Buffalo for a club at the time that was called Buffalo Niagara, which is now transitioned into Empire United. I played ODP growing up, and then I also played in Niagara Falls, Canada. That's a little bit about my roots in Buffalo. Um, I ended up going to a private girls' school, um, Narden Academy, and I think that's really where my passion for academics and and prioritizing academics um, was kind of ingrained in me. Um, My family was always academically focused and it became more and more important to me. So I played my high school soccer for Narn Academy for four years, had a great experience there. This past fall was actually, I was inaugurated into the the Narn Athletics Hall of Fame as one of the first, I think the youngest alum to be inducted, which was another really cool experience. And, you know, you're surrounded by old, old teachers and principals. And I think the, the inspiration to be around high academics really started at Narden. So when I began my college search, um, I looked at a bunch of different institutions. Um, Academics was always a priority. And um, I went on an official visit to Cornell and I think it was a team culture and and the coaching staff at the time and and the academics that really drew me there. So I ended up going to Cornell. I was a goalkeeper. I always say five foot four of me, but I'm, it, that's generous. But um, so played goalkeeper. I have a strong passion for goalkeeping. And I was a two-time captain at Cornell. After graduating from Cornell, I ended up going to the Boston Breakers tryout, open tryout, partway through my senior year. And the tryout went well, and I got invited into preseason. And that was a moment, I think, in my playing career that I'll never forget when Heather O'Reilly showed up. She showed up on a bike. We were training at Harvard, and I just couldn't believe that, one, she was on a bike, and two, she was going to be on the same field. So I think that was an environment that really pushed me. Um, I got to train with Alyssa Nair, and at the time, the, the backup goalkeeper was Jamie Kranich, who she coaches at BC, and she's actually my roommate right now. So Another thing that comes full full circle, but learning from Alyssa Nair every day, Chrissy Mewis was also on the team. So kind of being around in that environment, you're stretched, you're pushed. You think that the pace is going to be faster and you can anticipate it, but until you feel it, you really have no concept of, of how fast it will be. So I think just 
learning to grow and just seeing almost the discipline that Alyssa had um, and all those players and, and kind of the steps that they did on a day-to-day basis was was really amazing. And then I came back for my second preseason with them um, and I got a contract offer to go to Sweden. So I was the starting goal, goalkeeper for a, a club called Vestros Biekotreti, DK30. It sounds I try to pronounce it as, as the Swedes do, but they probably will hear that and say that that was awful, but that's okay. <laughs> and so I played there for seven months. Amazing experience. I love the culture. Um, we, we did well. We were close. We were in the elite at Bonn, but um, we ended up tying the last game of the season that would have elevated us to the Damalsvenskan. Amazing experience. We played in the, I think the highlight was getting to play in the Svenska Kupen, which was the countrywide cup. And we drew, we got to the third round and we drew the number one ranked team in Sweden, Eskastuni United. Um, and we got to host in the town that I played in. So that was one of those moments that you just see a whole town come out for it. And was another moment where I was like, I can't believe that I get to partake in this experience. And it grew as a goalkeeper um, and as a person, really like there's nothing like it's one of those things you can anticipate. You're going to be outside your comfort zone. You really have no idea, not, not speaking the language, learning it, but really, and I, I minored in Spanish at Cornell. So I thought I had some capability to learn languages. And then I went to Sweden and it was really difficult. Then I came back. Um, I trained in Buffalo in the off season. And then um, I got a contract offer to play in very Northern Finland. Um, everybody laughs, but it was six miles from the Arctic Circle, the town that I played in. The tagline was the official hometown of Santa Claus. So um, <laughs> one day when I, yeah, you laugh. One day when I have kids, I want to take my kids there and get them to experience it. But I had a really modern goalkeeper coach um, that had a, a bunch of the UEFA licenses. So that was kind of an introduction into a different training methodologies and I think I became a more well-rounded goalkeeper and more of a cultured person. I think being in, in Scandinavia for, for two years of my life really shaped me. Then I came back and I had the off, I had coffee with Nancy Feldman. Can't forget that. (laughs) And then um, I had the opportunity to begin coaching at Cornell. So I spent two seasons there and then moved on to Boston university. And I just finished my third season as a goalkeeper coach. Great journey, great detail, really enjoyed it. What do you find most uplifting about coaching? I think time with the student athletes, the opportunity to be a role model or a mentor is something I really believe in is if you can understand them and care about them on a foundational basis as human beings, then I think you can really push them as as athletes. Um, And they know that you're coming from a place of believing that that you can push them and that there's more to, to what they can accomplish. Just having that sort of relationship, I think, is is really important and really rewarding. Speaking of rewarding, when did you learn about the 30 Under 30 program and what has been the best thing about being a part of the 30 Under 30 program? I originally learned about the 30 Under program actually from Nancy when I was at Cornell. Again, the, the mentor in her would subtly send me emails and say, hey, apply for this, apply for this great um, organization. And um, so I, I applied and applied again when I was at Boston University. And I think it's it's been a really rewarding experience going to the convention in Kansas City, uh, meeting some really amazing people in the 30 under 30 class with diverse backgrounds, all different levels of coaching across the country. And I think the commonality is just the passion for the game and, and the passion for development. And so I really enjoyed that. And 
going to the convention and getting to introduce some speakers or panelists was also pretty amazing. One of the people I got to introduce was Erin McLeod, who I watched her play so many times. Um, I think she's an amazing goalkeeper and I stood up next to her and first of all, triple checked all the facts with her and felt like I was, you know, just wanted to get it all right. But just being, having the opportunity and then getting to sit back and, and hear her speak was really cool. So I think it's been a really great program that, that hopefully continues to inspire. And, and I'm excited to kind of follow the next group that gets to go through it. Here with Tori Christ, another great member of our 30 Under 30 program. She's on one week after her head coach at Boston U, not her head coach, but the coach she's been working under at Boston U for the last three years, just announced her retirement. You know, obviously now that might mean things are a little bit up in the air. How are you approaching every day now as Boston U searches for their next head coach? I think embracing transition is, is really important in the world of sports. Um, so I think part of it is just being really proud of Nancy and making sure that she has the appropriate ending to her career that is kind of representative of her 27 years at Boston University. That's really important to me, continuing to to kind of be myself um, and to work hard every day for for the program and for the girls and just to be the consistency that they deserve is really important, regardless of transitions and and you know, there's always a little bit of anxiety in the unknown. So I think that's, that's a focus. Um, and then just trying to keep growing and developing. And I, I think Boston University and the program is, is an amazing place and people will be lucky to be here. And so I'm, I think right now, just grateful to have had the time that I have and to be open to, to continuing to grow and develop, whether it's here or, or somewhere else. One fun question before we ask the crystal ball question about where you think you're going to be in 10, 15 years from now, but that is you grew up in Buffalo. One of my best friends is from Buffalo. He's taken me to a Buffalo Bills game. As you know, we just had Nancy on and somehow she still worked Tom Brady into the conversation (laughs) because she loves her Patriots. Bills fans don't Mm -hmm. like Patriots fans and (laughs) It might be vice versa, but I definitely know Bills fans don't like the Patriots, period. Mm-hmm. Have you, how have you adjusted to that? Oh, I forever will be a Bills fan. I think I grew up my whole life proud to be a Bills fan, even when they weren't the strongest team. And you, again, you embrace that because um, it's Buffalo and and Buffalo Bills are, are their own kind of entity in the NFL. And now I think it's... It's really cool to see them consistently become an elite team and everybody loves Josh Allen. I think he is perfect for Buffalo. He's kind of that blue collar type of guy that everybody loves. So fully respectful of the Patriots, love a good rivalry, Could definitely don't help myself in terms of plugging for the Buffalo Bills any chance <laughs> to get. So I'll keep doing that. Honestly, I'll keep doing that. And I'm a big Bills fan and one day we're going to win the Super Bowl. I know it one day. I, I believe it. Josh Allen is outstanding. And look, you've had an incredible career, Cornell educated. You played overseas, which I have great respect for. You've coached under some big time names, including Nancy. So as you look forward, you know, 10, 15 years from now, where do you see yourself? You know, the pro league is continuing to grow. College is continuing to grow. The national team program. Where do you see yourself, Tori? That's a big question. And I think regardless of how many times you're asked it, it's still a big question. I love goalkeeping. I have a strong passion for goalkeeping. I want to continue to develop um, as a full team coach. I love the mentoring side of college. Um, so I think I could see myself in college for, for a while. And that development piece that you really get to focus on in a pretty formative time of 
the student athlete's life. So I think I would have a hard time not having that, but there's another side of me that I think being able to focus on the nuances of goalkeeping at a really high level, whether it's NWSL and getting to really develop and evolve in that realm. um, I think that's something that would kind of feed my soul. So one of those two, I would say, and somehow trying to incorporate, um, I'm super passionate about strength and conditioning and fitness. And I know there are people who will listen to this and laugh because they give me a hard time about it. So blending that, if I could have like a, a role, maybe at, at a really high level of training goalkeepers and getting some strength and conditioning. And I think everybody wants to say, I want to be a head coach. And I think that could be part of it too, as I keep growing and developing. But um, for right now, just kind of following my passions and being around the right people. I think, I think that's something that I continue to learn you can't put a value on being in a good environment with the right people. So a blend of all those things. Um, if I could have it all, that'd be great. But we'll close with the right people. You mentioned Heather O'Reilly tomorrow. I'm having breakfast at the restaurant that she owned in Chapel Hill. Oh, nice. I called her last few seasons at the North Carolina courage. She'll be calling North Carolina courage games with me. Now, if I do happen to run into her, is there anything I can tell her that Tori Chris said to say to <laughs> Heather O'Reilly? Oh, uh, She'll forever be the fittest player I've ever played with. She just has a contagious energy. So I think she's going to be so successful, whether it's owning a restaurant or a cafe or takes over at UNC one day. I just really admire her. So tell her I say hi. And I'm sure she can run faster than anyone else on the beef test. (laughs) I I keep telling her she should make a comeback. I wouldn't be surprised if she plays for the courage again one more time. I wouldn't either. You know what? And I buy her jersey and everything. So she's a good, good human being. Yeah, me too. Tori, Chris, you are as well. Thanks for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. And thanks for being a wonderful member of their 30 under 30 class. Thank you so much, Dean. Thanks for having me and thanks for the opportunity as well. I want to thank all of our guests. A fantastic show. Also want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke saying we'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.